This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. A little bit about the origin of where the screenplay came from, just、uh, how the film came together. 能否先请你介绍一下这个杨洋人家的创作背景？这个故事是怎样产生的？杨洋人家这个故事可以说是完全是编出来的，就杜撰的，毫无一点没有什么根据。当初各位看了以后，尤其是了解台湾的这个状况的人，特别清楚这部电影。大概到现在有五十年了，五十年了。我为什么记得这么清楚呢？因为我跟我太太结婚刚好五十年，这部这部片子拍好了以后，我跟我太太结婚的。So this the story,、uh, it's a completely original story. Not adapted from any other source material.、Um, it wasn't inspired by anything else. It, it's, it's something that we came up with all by ourselves. Those familiar with Taiwan history kind of know a little bit about this film, and that this film is a 50-year history. And I'm very clear about that. This is 50 years old. And you know, the reason I know is because I've been married to my wife 50 years, and we got married as soon as this film was completed. <laughs> 电影一个基本的一个，可以说是一个主要的一个一个精神在哪里呢？就是他能够面面俱到，把五十年前的台湾很多进步的情形，在每一个地方、每一个角落里边，尤其是农村里边，介绍的很清楚。And another aspect of the film was it was able to capture. All of these aspects of major change in Taiwan society at this time, 50 years ago, especially in the countryside and agricultural change, and signs that Taiwan is moving forward in terms of modernization, and it was able to kind of grab onto a lot of those details. 可以说，拍摄的这个，不管是各方面的技术，在今天看起来的话，都会觉得。很落伍了。那个时候，已经算算是在这个台湾的电影里边还是比较进步的一步。但是现在看起来，各方面都很落伍。So watching it today, you might feel that. From a technical standpoint, the film is somewhat lacking or a little bit behind. But actually, at the time, this was the most sophisticated and advanced in、uh, in terms of film technology that Taiwan had to offer. 那个时候，这个拍摄这个电影的公司是中央电影公司，是一个政府的机关，政府的一个电影公司。所以，它一切的内容都要符合国家进步的情形。那个时候，也也就是说
台湾的经济刚刚起飞的时候，农村的进步就配合着跟着经济起飞这个脚步，慢慢慢慢往前推动。所以这里边处处都看得出来，我们着意的、有意的来介绍台湾经济在改善，在技术方面，比方拖拉机。批发一些自动的那些农具，批发大家的竞赛、鸭子的改良，这些都是在显示台湾的社会在一步步的在改变、在进步，是这样一个非常明显的一个主题。In this film, it was a production of CMPC, or the Central Motion Picture Corporation, which was the largest film studio in Taiwan at the time. It was a government-owned film studio. And so every aspect of the film's content had to be approved by the government, and in many cases, it had to match or it had to support government policies, especially economic policies. And at the time, this was just as Taiwan's economy was starting on the road to reform. It was one of the、uh, four dragons of Asia. It was really up,、uh, kind of rising very quickly, and this was a way to push things forward and use the film to articulate. The government policies, and so you can see it's very conscious the way in which throughout the film you see close-ups of engines and the agricultural equipment, and at the agricultural fair, all of the abundance of animals and fruit. All of that was very carefully orchestrated to support the government's policies and to show that Taiwan was a society that was making progress and step by step moving forward. So let me follow up by asking. As a creative figure and someone who is the screenwriter of this film, how much, how difficult was it to find a balance between pure art and storytelling and incorporating those government policies into what you were doing? 那您您身为编剧，您就是一方面要纯粹讲故事，另外一方面一方面也要符合就是政府的那些政策。那你怎样去找到一个平衡？我想，当初拍这部电影是制片人是龚宏先生，龚宏先生标榜了一个，他是一个精神，就是说，我们一般人都把这个写实了这两个字。解释成黑暗面，黑暗面的东西把它暴露出来以后，就变成了，就说写实电影、写实文学、写实的一切。龚宏先生就说，就问为什么光明面在阳光下面不能够写实呢？所以他就提出一个口号来，叫“健康写实路线”。我当初。在写这个剧本的时候，我没有写过电影剧本。我写过别的舞台剧、广播剧，啊，但是呢，我在自己摸索当中，就刚刚我这个用什么来把它调和呢？我想这是。这是我作为一个编剧一个很基本的责任责任。既然要符合有关方面，也就是资方给我的这一个主题
，同时我也要表现到台湾的进步里边还要有票房。所以当初拍这种健康写实电影，这是第二部，第一部是《科女》，《科女》也是写农村的进步。我就是在这两者之间，刚刚教授问我。怎么能够取得一个平衡呢？这是我这是我的责任。这个剧本呢，已经有好几个人都写过了，写过了总是不满意。有一天，外景队就到了宜兰呢，去看看实际的养鸭的这个情形。我就我们一个外景队去看了。看了以后回来，有一个年轻人告诉我，说你们这样走过马光化的看过以后没有进步，你留下来，我告诉你，养鸭的情形。So at the time at the Central Motion Picture Corporation,、um, the general manager was a man named Henry Gong,、uh, Gong Hong, and he. Thought it was very important for these films to capture a certain spirit, and that spirit he felt, in some sense, should resonate with this what was really hot at the time in world cinema was realism. You think of Italian realism,、um, the, uh, all of those movement realist movements, and most of those European realist movements all focused on the dark side of society, what was wrong with society. The, That was kind of where what a lot of people associated with realism. Henry Gong thought the spirit of realism could be looked at in a different fashion, and he said, "Why can't we make a film in the mold of realism that shines a light on the world and and is healthy, is whole, it's wholesome?" And so he actually coined a term called "jian kang xie shi zhui," literally healthy or wholesome realism, which was a response to those European movements which were much darker. He wanted to do. A form of realism that was, on the one hand, realistic but also optimistic, and I, at the time, had never written a screenplay. This was my very first screenplay、uh, that I ever wrote, and so for me, I felt that there was this fundamental responsibility as the screenwriter to try to, on the one hand, have a balance between. The government policies that Central Motion Picture Association was so keen on supporting to show and portray Taiwan's progress, and also a responsibility to the box office and to the financial aspects as all of the investment that goes into filmmaking. And so that was really my responsibility. And although it was the first film I wrote, I did have experience writing scripts for various radio shows, for theatrical works, and so I had some experience、uh, on those types of, of of work. So this was the first one.、Uh, Beautiful Duckling, the first work of healthy realism. Later, there was a second major work in this genre of healthy realism called Oyster Girl,、um, and that also used kind of agricultural policies that were incorporated into a love story to try to、uh, show these government policies. And throughout, going back to your question about how finding a balance between、uh, government policies and the story itself, I felt that balance. That was my responsibility. That was my fundamental responsibility as the screenwriter.、Um, And so I took that very seriously. Later, when we were getting ready in pre-production for the film, we went to a place in Taiwan called Ilan, where we visited some duck farms. And the exterior shot production group went to look around at these duck farms, and、uh, someone suggested I stay there、uh, for an extended period of time to really get a sense of what was happening. We see 
电影的人，嗯，也许都没有看过农村养鸭是怎么个情形。那天晚上，那个大学生他是学农的，他就跟我两个人在那个鸭寮旁边坐了一夜，一夜就谈这个鸭子怎么能能分得出来是生蛋的鸭子是不生蛋的鸭子，鸭子。出生以后的这个成长的过程，尤其是他说，当你天亮的时候，把这个饲料啊丢在这个饲料这个这个这个这个鸭料里边去，这个水里边去以后，这个鸭子飞起来那种美感。所以这个电影啊，这个故事太简单了，简单到几句话可以讲完。一个爱的故事，一个爱的故事，爱。不一定是我自己亲生的，别人的孩子我也有爱。我自己只要有感情的话，都可以散诸于四方，用在每个人身上。所以故事太简单，就靠这一些外在的进步的这些形象来把这故事来填满。这个是我编剧的一个责任。So we spent some time there on this duck farm, and the gentleman who.、Uh, Agreed to show us around. He told us all the the whole process of raising ducks, all the details. Because most people, people like us who are you know in the arts, you, I mean, how much do we really know if you're in the university about ducks and raising ducks? And so,、uh, we spent a whole night there, and he spent the whole night telling us about how they lay their eggs, how they、uh, how they grow, and the whole growth process of the ducks. Which ones lay eggs? Which ones don't lay eggs?、Uh, how they feed them in the morning, and he described the Just awesome, speechless beauty of when you throw the feed into the pond in the morning, and they all fly up in the dawn light. And just talked about these very moving experiences. And they spent a lot of time here, really trying to get to know this whole process of raising the ducks. But as for the story, oh, the story is just so—it's so simple. It's actually overly simplistic. It's a simple love story, and this kind of love story can be between a family, can be two lovers. That you could—you know—that's the kind of story you can see anywhere. But I. I really feel that it's these external details, the setting,、uh, those agricultural details, the、uh, themes of Taiwan's progress that really give added depth and layer to the story and make it a little more complex.、Uh, I'm going to jump in with a follow-up to this, because actually one of the most classic works of modern Taiwan literature is a work by a novelist called Wu Zhuolil, and it's called *The Orphan of Asia*, and often. That has become a very powerful metaphor for Taiwan's place in the world as an as an orphan, because of its colonial history and its precarious place in modern uh, uh, East Asian history. And I'm wondering, to what extent, if any, were you in this film? Were you trying to use Xiao Yue as a metaphor for Taiwan and her relationship with China? Did that come into play at all? 就是我我再提一个问题，就是您肯定清楚那个台湾现代小说，就是文学史一个非常重要的作品，就是吴浊流的《亚细亚孤儿》，就是把台湾象征成一个一个孤儿。那看到这样的一个电影，我至少很好奇，在是否在某一个程度上，你想把小约当做台湾的一个代表，通过这个电影讲述台湾跟中国之间的关系，有没有这这一层次的意思？没有这么，没有这么高的这个企图，没有没有没有没有。我说之所以一个亲情的一个故事，没有说亚细亚孤儿
把它扩大到一个世界上的一个一个一个一个现象，没有农业，就是说以中国的一个农村、一个小家庭里边一个爱的故事，就是这么简单。我没有把它扩展到那么大的一个主题。Not at all. <laughs> You're taking this way too academically. <laughs> this was really just a story about a small family and a love story amid that family, and there was no kind of allegorical dimension at all that I intended for this film.、Um, so let me ask about this. You've written well over a hundred. I've seen some accounts saying over 150 screenplays. But one director that you've collaborated with very frequently, over and over again, was the director of this film, Li Xing. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what is unique and different about him compared to other directors, and talk a little about your relationship with him. 就是您创作的剧本都一百多部吧，但是最常合作的一个导演恐怕就是李星导演，就是合作好多次。能不能谈谈就是李星导演跟其他的导演有什么不同，或者简单的介绍你们之间的合作关系？李星。拍的电影大概百分之七十到八十，呃，都是我陪他写剧本，就是从第一个剧本开始，就是养牙人家开始。So about seventy to eighty percent of the works of Li Xing, a very prolific director, I actually wrote the screenplay for them, and our collaboration began with this film, his first film, Beautiful Duckling. 我所以跟他合作这么愉快。一个最大的前提，就是他很尊重跟他合作的这些伙伴，不但是我这一个编剧，他的副导演，他的工作人员，从每一个人，他都很能够重视个人的工作。One of the reasons we had such a happy and just wonderful working relationship was that he's a director that really respects his collaborators, not just me, but the assistant director, the cinematographer. He's somebody who really gives a lot of respect to his collaborators. Because 合作的人，包括他的工作人员，几乎没有什么改变。我们看他养牙人家，再看二十部电影后，才发现他的工作人员几乎都是一个固定的一个一伙伴们。为什么？就是因为他很尊重这每一个工作人员，而且他对电影那么执着。我们看到很多像黑泽明的电影。<咳>像欧洲那些导演的电影，他都说这是黑泽明的电影。他的这个编剧有六个人，小国英雄，很多很多人的敲门人，很多人最后一个名字编剧一定有黑泽明。就是说，这个故事，这个电影，所有的编剧编完了以后，最后决定的那个人是导演黑泽明。李行从来。他就是导演李星，他没有把编剧的名字这一串里边加一个李星进去，这是我们也是在合作起来彼此能够尊重的地方。And、so Li Xing throughout his career, he had a very、uh, 
he had a team that he would continually work with over and over throughout all his films. And he had very strict requirements. He wasn't a lax director. He would really make us work hard and have very clear uh, kind of requirements of what he expected. And he was very stubborn in his passion for film and his pursuit of what he was going after in each film. But if you look at his filmography, after over more than 20 films, you look at each one, he's going to see the same names in the credits. It's that same core group of crew members that he would continually work with. And that's because he respected them. And he treated them in a way in which they kept coming back and they formed this very close collaborative team. Um, take a look, for example, at some of the films of Akira Kurosawa, where if you look at the credits, you'll see for the screenwriter, there might be six names listed there. And almost always, the last name will be Akira Kurosawa. Because no matter how many people participated in the screenplay, he would have a hand in finalizing it. That wasn't the case with Li Xing, because I was the screenwriter, he was the director, and he never kind of crossed that boundary or tried to take credit or to impact my work as screenwriter. And that mutual respect, I think, is something that helped us have such a long-standing uh, relationship. Could we talk a little bit about the actors in this film? There's especially the three key actors here. Uh, Xiao Yue, that's Tang Baoyun, one of the great... Uh, kind of icons of Taiwan cinema of this era who took her life at a fairly young age. Uh, Owe, the kind of uh, the, the step the brother gone wrong who returns, and the father, uh, Ge Xiangting. These are all actors that reappear in so many of these films and so many of your films. In fact, I know that your other favorite film, Execution in Autumn, also stars these same three actors. And maybe could you just share us a few... Memories, anecdotes, impressions of these three actors who, unfortunately, none of them are with us anymore, but maybe tell us a little bit about your relationship with them. Do 在没有演这个戏之前很多有性格的戏他和柯俊雄都是台湾本地的演员我还原他的地方就是他对一个角色的认真我们看他就演这样一个小小小的一个故事这么一个这么一个人物他的化妆他的动作他的一切都能够满足观众所能够欣赏的那个到那个最好的状态里边所以他是一个非常敬业的演员他因为
自己有了这个他的肝呢出了毛病，应该是洗肾，我们中文叫洗肾，他就因为电影没有拍完，他不肯洗肾，他就跑到他老家乡下，用土方法来治他的这个肝病，结果不到半个月就过世了，非常遗憾。So, the father, uh, he was played by Ge Xiangting, who is very kind of a well-established senior actor in the Taiwan film industry of this time. And almost all of Li Xing's films that required a father character of that generation always cast him. He was always the father in so many of Li Xing's films. Um, Tang Baoyun, who played Xiao Yue, the female protagonist, this was her first film. This was her debut. Uh, she had no experience, but. She, you could see, she got into the role quite quickly and took things. Uh, she was very professional and worked very hard. Uh, Owe, the brother who returns in this film, he's a major actor in Taiwan. Uh, he has been in many, in very important films such as Ex Execution in Autumn and so many other just important classics of contemporary Taiwan cinema. And he's somebody who had a very high degree of professionalism that he brought to each role, and you can see that in his. Uh, his movements, the, his, his makeup, everything that he did, he really was a kind of perfectionist. And uh, he, along with Ke Junxiong, who uh, recently passed, they were both local Taiwanese actors who worked a lot with uh, Li Xing and myself and were just major figures in the industry. Unfortunately, Owei had a kidney disease and uh, he, used to, he was supposed to go on dialysis, and he would often go back home to the countryside and use these traditional Chinese medicinal methods to treat his kidney disease. And eventually, uh, after one of the films that we worked on, he, uh, he passed away after six months uh, from kidney disease. I want to specifically 躲避欧威的时候，为什么要赶着鸭子从南部到北部来？这一趟赶着鸭子出来的话，什么理由呢？这个戏里边交代不够清楚。他每一年都要这样做，为什么呢？这个鸭子从南部赶出来以后，沿途啊都是经过河水、浅水，经过稻稻田，经过人家收完了格子的以后。到此以后就田地可以吃剩下来那些粮食，同时他们把粪便呢也就拉在这一个田里边，所以它是彼此两得，一个是能够把鸭子养肥，同时还有鸭粪呢留给田地里边能够作为肥料。这个要把这个理由讲得很清楚，我想我讲的不够清楚，只知道因为它的躲避欧威。所以赶鸭子，北上不是它一个双重的一个用用处。And there's one aspect of the structure of the film that I want to kind of clarify, and that has to do with the sequence where they take the ducks on the road and they go from south to north. And it seems in the film they're doing that to avoid、uh, the character played by Owe, the brother. But there's actually a, a very practical reason why they take the ducks out, and that's because this is a period when The rice fields had just—they、uh, just had their harvest, their rice harvest—and so as the ducks are traveling from south to north, 
they can eat the leftover scraps. They're the leftover in the rice fields. And then as they're moving along, they leave their droppings, which will serve as fertilizer for the next season of crops. And so there's this kind of dual, very pragmatic reason why they take the ducks on this kind of migration or this, this, this journey each year. Uh, but it also works with the story in terms of the avoidance of Owe's character. Let me ask, so when you wrote this screenplay, you've written so, I mean, 150. How long does a typical screenplay do you spend on one? And how, like, how long did this story take you to write? Yang 这个故事的内容到天亮的时候饶恕的恕因为在前面讨论了三个月，每一个地方我都清清楚，我太清楚了。拿起笔了，一一直往下写就可以了。为什么讨论的太多了？哎，真的写对白写的很容易，只写了一个星期。So as my first film, this was very a very unique process through which we wrote this screenplay. We had three full months of meetings and discussions to try to formulate the screenplay. And at those meetings, the, the chair of the meetings was Henry Gong, uh, Gong Hong, who was the, the chair of CMPC, the studio, Central Motion Picture Corporation. And he looked at this film as such an important work that we spent three months. So it was Henry Gong, myself, Li Xing, the director, and the assistant director. And for three months, we would discuss the, the plot, the screenplay, the, all the intricacies of the story and how to bring it together and how it should, how it should work, how it should function as a story. And three months, we, we just kept discussing this. Every day, we had meetings. Why did it take so long? Well, one problem was we got stuck on the ending. How should we, how should we resolve this film? And that was a big problem for us, how to bring the film to a close. And one, actually, it was one morning, uh, I was waiting for a train. I spent several hours in this park, uh, just pacing in the park, trying to figure out how to do 
how to, how to bring this together, and then it kind of came to me. Uh, it, was, it was dawn, the sun was coming up, and I realized that the only way to end the film was to have the father sell all the ducks, give all his money to Owe, give his daughter over to Owe, and this be the kind of re- resolution to set things on a, on a new track again. And this has a lot to, and when I uh, shared this with Henry Gong and Li Xing, they all jumped on that and said, this is, this is the way to do it. And Henry Gong in particular said, this is the traditional, the, the reason it was such a perfect ending was because it was in perfect line with the traditional Chinese value of how you atone for your sins. And this was the way for that atonement to take place. And that was how it all came together. But as for the actual writing of the screenplay, one week. Because we had three months of uh, all these discussions. And so it took me one week for all of the dialogue to come together. It was about a week's time to actually get, actually get it on paper. Lang 只要你对小月好，这是在世界上，甚至四海皆通的一件事情，就是爱不是占有，而是一种付出。我想我的耽误的时间差不多了，谢谢各位。教授还有什么预算？So I want to apologize for everyone for taking so much of your valuable and treasured time tonight. Coming here to spend, watch this film, and I just want—I think you know—it's actually very simple. If you want to boil down everything, you could boil it down to two, two truths or two, two, two simple facts. What, what is this film about? On the one hand, the film is a way to portray the agricultural progress in Taiwan at this time, and the other one has to do with love. And the sim- very simple truth that love is not about possession; it's about giving. And it's about letting, letting go and giving things up. And so if you look at Xiaoyue, uh, the whole moral here is the way in which her father lets her go and lets her have her freedom to decide which path she wants to take. And love is never about possession or trying to control something. And I've taken too much of your time, so I'm going to stop here. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.